last six years, I, like I honestly, um, I found myself a little self-conscious about showing up in foreign contexts, as if the last six years are the only six years that we have to apologize for, which is not true. Um, but after getting over the self-consciousness, I think what I realized is the gift that we've been given is um, we've been disabused of the illusion of our exceptionalism, and instead have been restored to what's true, which is just a sense of kindredness. Um, with brothers and sisters everywhere, including you. So I'm really honored to be here, thank you. Um, years ago, I spent a long stretch in the land that some call Israel and some call Palestine. And I went there um, expecting an academic encounter. I was there to learn about conflict, and I had a really naive um, sense of what that would be like. And instead of an academic encounter, um, I got wrecked in a crucible of empathy and impossibility. And for days on end, I heard stories like the stories that we've heard tonight from Annie and Kathleen. And um, I mean, I felt the earth break open beneath my feet. Uh, and as the world broke, um, I felt like I fell into a chasm. And um, honestly, I didn't know if I would stop falling. It was just kind of this free fall of um, mind and spirit and body and it was the end of things like hope and faith for me. And in that free fall, um, I was in the West Bank one day, and we were there to meet with uh, a man who's sort of a legend, a Palestinian leader who's a peacemaker. And as we entered the building where he worked, um, I bumped into these old blessings that were inscribed uh, on the stairway into uh, his building. And um, what I didn't know is that those blessings would become the new ground that I would stand on uh, every time the world breaks. And sometimes the world breaks in big and political and violent ways, and sometimes the world breaks in very personal ways. But uh, uh, these blessings, and I had known these blessings because I had heard them my whole life. Uh, I had grown up in religious settings where I think these words had been domesticated. Uh, they had made, been made very tame. Um, by people who were using their religion to ignore the world rather than face the world. And so at first I wanted to resist them, but because I found them in such a wild context, and by wild I just mean like out there in the real world where real things are happening, um, they kind of they kind of hung around me for a while, and I, I came to read them differently. And it's been years since that encounter, and since then I've been to a lot of places where the world breaks. I've been to Lebanon. I've been to Sri Lanka and East African countries, and I've been here in Northern Ireland a number of times, and my own country uh, is facing a reckoning as we realize just how deep injustices and divisions are in our own place. And um, I keep finding myself coming back to these. And, and by the way, I keep finding that they're speaking to me not just in the big stuff, but also like in the very personal things that also break us. And so uh, I just thought I'd share them for us tonight, if that's okay. Um, but because I know that I had heard these words uh, in such a domesticated way. Uh, I'm, I'm going to share these blessings with you, but with language that has helped me um, hear the, the freight and the power of them. And before I, I do this, I'll just say, uh, these come from a tradition that speaks of God, but I know that's really complicated in places where God has been used uh, as a mascot for things that God would ever stand for. And so if it helps you, uh, maybe you can just think of God as the loving and mystery at the center of reality. Um, that which keeps lending its own being to everything good and keeps creating possibilities for new futures that we can be a part of if we want to. So I hope that helps kind of clear the deck for us and, and hear this fresh. And so here's a, a blessing for us tonight. 
When the world breaks and you find that you've been robbed in spirit, when you look to that place within where you would hope to find hope and joy and power and peace, and instead you find a poverty there, may you know that you are in the terrain of the divine. Because the soul is not a closed system, you and I, we are conduits of the divine. And that open-heartedness, the, the very open-heartedness that made it possible for your spirit to be robbed when you suffered, that's the very disposition that will allow you to be filled with God. And when the world breaks and you suffer great loss, whether it's the loss of hope or the loss of a dream or the loss of a beautiful arrangement or the actual loss of someone you loved, may you mourn bravely. And in naming the void where a good thing once stood, may you find that the eyes of your soul are dilated, opened up, that your inner being is flooded with light. For nothing can ever be lost in the divine, and the glory we yearn for is still with us. When the world breaks and you find your strength bridled, either by circumstances or systems, when you find yourself unable to take for yourself the things you need, may you trust that an open hand is all that's needed to receive. And may you inherit the earth as it never belonged to those who built those systems or created those circumstances that have bridled you in the first place. And when the world breaks and you find yourself aching for things to be made right, whether within you or around you, whether the fractures have happened in your life or have come against your life, may you trust the sacred pain of hunger. And may you know how holy is your parched palate. And rather than allowing your thirst to be slaked by false promises and fake justice, may your aching become a compass that leads you to a feast of peace. If you've been wronged and are finally given the rightful power of the victim to exact revenge, may you remember that you were forged from the same moral fabric as the one who violated you. And without creating any force, false moral equivalence between the perpetrators of violence and their victims, yet, May you remember your own need for mercy. If you find your heart darkened by cynicism, may you see past the illusion that suggests that corruption is the way things really are. Instead, may you preserve your capacity to see God, to see light, and even the darkest corners of our world. If you find yourself called out into the borderlands, into the no man's land between your own faction forsaking tribal belonging, and if in those borderlands you find yourself desperately alone, feared by your enemies and called a traitor by your tribe, may you discover that you have become a child of God, claimed by the divine, and may you discover a cosmic and irrevocable sense of belonging as you walk in the lonely path of peace. Let me pause now. Um, because then Jesus, uh, after speaking these Beatitudes, these blessings for the poor in spirit and the meek and those who mourn. Um, he does something surprising. He speaks to his listeners of their power. Uh, it's surprising because he first described these listeners as the poor and the meek. But I say that he spoke to them of their power because he ends this litany with a blessing for the persecuted. With a blessing for those of whom evil, evil has made a target. Now, I don't know if you know this or if you believe me when I say it, but I'm quite convinced that evil is actually a limited resource. It presents itself as infinite and inescapable and inevitable, much like it did the day that Jesus was crucified. But, and here's where I can't help but be what I am, which is a Christian pastor, so forgive me. Um, as far as I can tell, the meaning of this moment is this. 
The evil brought everything it had against him. It unloaded its entire arsenal against him. And when evil had exhausted everything it had, love still had more to say, which is how I understand the resurrection. Still had more life to live, still had more work to do, still had more power to effect in the world. And so Jesus gives his last blessing for the persecuted, but he's speaking to the very same people who were poor in spirit and meek and mourning and aching for things to be made right. Because he assumes that these same poor and meek could become such a threat to the disorder of their age that evil would have to come after them. And he says that when that happens, you will know that the life of God is yours. So may we know that we too are being made agents of love. And when the world breaks and evil brings its violence to bear against us, may we trust that we too will be raised up. Peace to you, friends. Thank you.